The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. You're going to hear part of an interview with Mike Bawas, Rocket TPO's ambassador brokers. Mike took some time to talk with our CEO, Vince Valvo, and staff writer Doug Page for an NMP Magazine article, and it's such a great story, so we're bringing that interview to you here. So this is part one, where Mike talks about his journey from his childhood in war-torn Liberia to the United States and how that shaped who he is today. You know, um, Mike, uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this story about you is because we understand from your past that you immigrated here from Liberia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's a unique story. Uh, it's not one that uh, gets mentioned. Obviously, the country library does not get mentioned all that much these days. But just curious, uh, what what motivated you to Ooh, when you to leave Liberia to come yeah, to the United States? Good and question. Um, from a mo- so, I'll just give you a little background uh, on myself, and, and and then hopefully it will tie into what motivated me. Right? Um, you know, poverty is a tough thing to be poor. Um, it's not easy, right? Poverty is, is, is very hard for people. So when I think about uh, having to be motivated, real talk, just being poor and wanting to do more for my family, that's motivation by itself. My parents are both from the Middle East, from, Li- from, from Lebanon. Uh, and back in the 70s, my parents moved to Liberia because they wanted to, to not deal with civil war. And they wanted to give their, their kids and their family a better life. So we moved to Liberia back in the 70s. And um, unfortunately, they ran away from a civil war and then ended up having a couple of civil wars, civil wars in Liberia itself. So growing up, uh, we, we didn't we, we didn't grow up with much. Um, we were not we weren't like I, I would call it. We were a poor family. We didn't have much. Um, put it this way. I, I think the first time I saw or, or actually knew what hot water was like, like to take a bath in hot water was in the United States of America. That's my first time I knew that this even existed. Uh, That's just- How old? uh, old? When I moved here? Yeah. Uh, Well, let's do, let's see. I moved here on March 3rd, 1998. Um, I was like 18 years old. Wow. I didn't even know how water existed, truly. That was genuinely, like we lived in a very poor house. I, I tell you, like, it's, it's, I think about this and, and this is, this motivates me a lot, but not just because of what I was able to accomplish, just, just because the story and, and how I can help others. Like, I remember the way we took a shower Vince, and I don't know if I shared this with you. We had, a, we had like a rubber bucket that was, that was pinned in a corner of a small room. It wasn't even a bathroom. And, and there was a faucet that was forced into the rubber bucket from bottom and someone will fill it up from the water, from the ocean. 
because we didn't have running water. And that's how I showered all my life. So I, I didn't even know how toothpaste tasted, real toothpaste tasted, until I moved here. Because every time I brushed my teeth, it was, it was through ocean water, literally. So it's weird. I'm like, I don't taste the salt. It's, but truly, this was just part of life. And, and it was great. So, so I, after going through two civil wars and really, really experiencing death, like we saw people dying in front of us. I personally saw people dying right in front of me. And, and like, like next to me and having to hide in, in rooms and in basements for days over days and not be able to even eat, like eat. I, <laughs> I hate Timbits. You know why I hate Timbits? This is those donuts that they sell at Tim Hortons. Because we only had, we had a bag of, of flour, but that bag was like disgusting flour. It had all kinds of, all kinds of germs and sh- like it, it was molded, molding, yeah. like it was mold, like you couldn't even eat it. But my mom and my aunt would literally like sift through it and clean it up as much as they can. And they would fry these little balls of, of donuts. They call them donuts. We call them in Africa, in Liberia, kala, to eat. And we would, I ate those for like 20 days straight during the war. And that's the only thing I ate. And you would get so sick from it because it was not good for you. So when I like people think luxury Timbits here, everybody in my family knows not to even buy Timbits for me because it's just right. it's bad. But look, I wanted to move here. I had to fight for it. So I ended up moving here to go to University of Michigan. And I'll tell you, it's the most incredible thing I've ever done in my life. I have one sister, my mom, my dad. And because of that, my sister moved here. My sister, she was able to go to school, graduate with a degree, and she's doing very well for herself. Her husband is a senior engineer at Ford. I was able to go to school, and I'm able to have a, a decent job where I can make an impact on my family's life and the people that I lead every day. And I never forget that. Never never for a day will I ever forget where, where I came from. And, and Mike, just to clarify, were you, were you born in Liberia or were you born in Lebanon? No, I was born in Liberia. Born in Liberia, okay. Yeah. And is your sister older or younger than you? My my sister's younger than me. Gotcha, gotcha. And you know, um, when you when you got to the United States, beyond obviously being able to take a shower for the first time and understanding what that's all about, what was your first impression of the country? You, I, I sense that you went from Liberia right to right to uh, Detroit. You know, were you in Dearborn, Michigan, where you went to school? Yeah. So I'll tell you, this is so. My first impression is this. On March 3rd, 1998, there was a blizzard out here in Detroit. And I swear to God, when the plane landed, I looked outside and saw snow. I like, I was confused because I've never seen snow in my life. And I was shocked and I didn't know what it was. I seriously did not know what it was. And it was crazy to be able to, <laughs> the airport doors open and I felt that cold. And I'm like, is this real? Like what's happening right now? But it, it was it was different. I, and like my impression was, I was shocked at the technology. I was shocked at how the buildings looked and, and how everything, how the streets were organized and the slights were. <laughs> it was just an experience, man. It was really, really, a, it was an experience. And I, and I knew right then that I fell so in love with it because I'm like, man, this is what I wanted all my life to be able to live this dream of being able to live here and, and, and be part of this incredible country. And I was shocked at how, how nice people were, 
how nice people were. Even at school, like people would help you. People knew you were a foreigner and they would help you. They would like open doors for you and assist you. It was just, it's just, it's just, it was unreal. And so you go directly from Liberia to Michigan. Am I correct about that? Yeah. And you enter as a, as a freshman at the university of Michigan. Yes. And and what were you studying? Uh, Business. Business. Okay. 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 And let me ask you this, you know, is there, is there much of a librarian community in the United States or in Michigan at all? Or did did you just pick Michigan? Because how did you, how did you get to the university of Michigan? How did that? I had a cousin that lived in Michigan. So it was easy for him to help me apply to, to, to pick a school in Michigan. But there is there is a huge librarian presence in Atlanta, in Virginia, and in Philadelphia. I mean, half of my family still lives in Liberia, and half of my family lives in the state. And I'm talking about my aunts. She lives in Virginia, and I have other families that live in the country. But it was easy for me to move to Michigan because I had a cousin that lived there, and he helped me apply to University of Michigan. So it was just an easier transition for me, and it was a place for me to stay as well. Gotcha, gotcha. And when did you, when did your parents go? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. When, when did your parents are, uh, come, come to the United States? Oh, my parents came very recent. We, we had to fight tooth and nail to actually get them to get their green cards and move. My, my mom came here um, three years ago, and my dad got here about a year or two before her, so five years ago. It took us a minute to get them to apply and get their, it's hard, like when you try and apply for your parents to get green card. Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com. What, why did they why did they resist uh, uh, joining you in, in the United States? Oh no, they didn't resist. The paperwork took that long. <laughs> they wanted to join me like from day one, but the paperwork took that long. Yeah, but but so during my time here in the states, I was able to 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 help my family a, a lot more. So they didn't stay in Liberia because after the two wars, and then I moved here and I start, and I had a job and I started making a normal living. I started supporting my family back home. They moved back to Lebanon. We have a house back in the village and they moved back there and I was able to support them until they got their, their green cards to move here. So they didn't like things changed after, after a couple of years being here, two or three years. It must've been, I, I can, and I know at some point we're going to move into your actual, you know, job situation here, but I, I can just imagine the, I'm going to say satisfaction, but probably also joy, seeing your parents come over and then seeing, having them see the the life you've been able to build here and go, you know, as a family, we're back together. And, and here I can, here I am able to help my own parents do this stuff. That must have been very emotional and satisfying for you, I think. This, this, is, this is what helps me get up every single day and do what I do. I swear I got my parents live with me and I choose for them to live with me. I don't want them to live in a house by themselves. I want to give them the best life they can ever have. I owe it to my parents. My parents have been through all. So this is incredible. Like to be able to do so every single day I wake up, the fact that I can wake up every single day and walk out of my house, just like it happened this morning. And as I walk out, my mom tells me she prays for me 
as I walk out of my house, it's the most incredible, incredible thing that helps me be who I am every single day. To be able to have that every day is worth millions to me. Nothing is more valuable than that. Sure, sure. And just can you share with us a little bit about your home life? I mean, uh, besides your parents, are you married? You must have children. Yeah, I'm married. I'm married. I have an incredible wife. Uh, Vince talked about uh, being on the road every day. You must have an incredible wife to support you at a very high level to be able to do so. I'm telling you now. And this girl, she supports me. Uh, I've never, I mean, it's great to be able to have that support. On days where I'm tired, she's picking me up and making me feel better. And on days where, where she's not very happy that I'm on the road every day. I'm able to have a conversation with her and she gets it. She understands the why behind it. And it's been incredible. And I have two kids. My daughter is 19 uh, and my son is 16. My daughter, her name is Yasmin. My son's name is Hussein. And um, they're both, I'm blessed to have incredible kids. My daughter's going to college. Uh, She wants to be a lawyer. My son um, is in high school. He's also taking college courses right now as, as he is in high school. He's a 4.0 student, a very, very good kid. And that also makes me very happy that I'm able to instill that value in him. We have conversations every single day about, about the history of where we come from and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and what we, what we owe our society and what we owe the people that we can impact to be able to do the things that we do every day. And my kids believe in it, that they see it and they understand it. And hopefully I'll make them proud one day. And hopefully when this is all said and done, they'll be able to say, hey, my dad had an impact on his family and the people surrounding him. Well, it's hard to believe that you haven't made them proud already. But uh, question for you, when you when you think about your experiences uh, as an immigrant to the United States, uh, has that played a role in the success that you've achieved so far? I think it played a little bit of a role. Yes, I do believe so. Um, Look, in the United States, we are blessed. My kids are blessed. They were born in the United States, right? They did not experience another part of the world, a part that's underdeveloped, a part that didn't have, don't have the same opportunities, a part that that don't have the same education, a part that, that you just can't, can excel like you would excel in the United States. So that's always been a factor to me when I think about what do I do and what do I want to do? I, I don't forget that. And that helps me every single day to want to, to wanna excel and be better and 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 do better. Yes, it, it for sure does help me because I don't want to say that people in the United States don't appreciate things because I'm sure we all do. This is an incredible country to live in. But maybe I Maybe I, I see a little bit more value in things because I didn't have those things. So I see more value in them and I want to hold on to them as much as I can and never let go because I, for, for the majority of my life, I didn't have it. So yeah, that pushes me a little bit more. And, and I do also believe I want to give credit to my dad. My dad always taught me that my, my dad always said to me, you want to be successful in life. Don't ever let the sun beat you in the morning. Don't ever let the sun beat you. And, and it's always been with me. I was in my office this morning at 5.30 a.m. And I'm in my office every day like that. And when I'm on the West Coast, I'm up at 3 a.m. And I'm doing meetings at 6 a.m. in Detroit. And I'm working until 11, 12 p.m. Um, I'm not afraid. Like, like I don't, I also believe that if you love what you do, it's not work anymore. Like, I don't work. Like, no one tells me what to do. John knows the relationship I have with my leaders here. I don't consider this a job. 
I consider myself owning the company. And this is what you do when you own a company. You just run for it. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. You know, in your experience as an immigrant to the United States, have, have you met many immigrants uh, in, the, in the broker community? And, and have, you, have you been able to relate to them because of that? Better. Oh, yeah. There is a lot of immigrants in the broker community, a lot. And uh, and yes, uh, you connect with them. It, it just feels different. They feel it. They they know you know where they're coming from and, and they know where you're coming from. For example, we have uh, we have uh, Lone Factory, Tuan. He, he's an immigrant and me and I have an incredible relationship. And I do think we can relate when it comes to hard work and stuff because we didn't have much growing up. So, yes. Uh, for sure, I meet a lot of people. Clearly, I also live in a community where there's a lot of immigrants as well. So I connect with, that's just the community that I live in. I live in Dearborn, there's a lot of Arab Americans and there's a lot of African Americans and there's a lot of Arab African Americans as well. So yeah, but in work, I meet a lot of immigrants, uh, brokers. I would think, um, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more directly into this whole you know, what you're doing, working with brokers and originators and stuff. And I think that your whole experience of, again, hard work, you know, really buckling down and then seeing what that can do for you, you know, personally, uh, economically, that that, that it, it's got to feel like it's a good match for you and the broker community because coming into being a mortgage broker, you're your own boss. You have to be entrepreneurial. You have to be active and 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 you know embody all of the stuff that, that you're talking about and you're there to help them succeed is that is that a good way to to sort of frame this yeah uh, i'll tell you vince uh, i think how do i put it like i think just being able to 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 have to in my opinion it's not about the numbers when you're speaking to brokers, they can tell, like brokers are salespeople too, right? So you you just, there's only so much you can do from a selling standpoint. It's how do you build relationships with these brokers and how do you support them both on a personal and a professional level? I have many, 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 I can list you hundreds of relationships with brokers where it's not just about work, it's about personal. And we have those conversations and we talk about, our, about their business. I apologize for the noise, guys. Um, they'll be gone in and off in a meeting in eight minutes. But it's about how can you, like, like how do you build those relationships? Because this is, the broker world is not transactional. In retail, you can have those transactional relationships where you pick up the phone, you take an application, you close a loan, and you move on. And maybe a six month, a year later, you follow up. In the broker world, it's everyday conversations, everyday dealing with brokers. So, so how do you come across as genuine as you are? And how do you build true relationships? Because you absolutely care about their business and they can feel it. Relationships matters a lot in our business. And it's about coming off as genuine and as as as, as truthful as you can. Authenticity, speaking from the heart, impacting their hearts, speaking to their minds versus just worrying about, hey, I'm talking to you, Vince, because you do 10 loans a month and I want your business. I hardly, hardly, Vince, ever ask people for business. I genuinely don't. I don't ask for business. I build relationships and they call me and says, hey, we love you. We love working with you. We love working with Rocket Pro TPO. We're going to send you business because of the service that you give us. So that concludes part one. I loved hearing Mike talk about seeing snow for the first time and feeling the cold of Detroit. As a lifelong New Englander, I always find it interesting when people talk about encountering winter for the first time. 
My wife's from Jamaica, and she cried every day during her first winter. Get to just take some time getting used to it. Come back tomorrow for the second part of the interview, where Mike talks about building brokers with open hearts. We'll be right back with your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. Here's your headlines for today, August 11th. The share of home buyers relocating is at an all-time high. That's because home prices and mortgage rates, combined with a permanent remote at work, are motivating buyers to move from expensive parts of the country to more affordable areas. A record 33.7% of Redfin.com users nationwide looked to move from one metro to another in July. That's up from 32.6% in the second quarter and about 26% before the pandemic. Mortgage rates may not have slowed migration, but they are up again this week at 5.22%. That's up 23 basis points from last week when they dipped below 5% for the first time in months. And finally, a greater number of metropolitan markets experienced double-digit annual home price gains in the first quarter. NAR reported that 80% or about 148 of the 185 track metros posted double-digit price gains up from 70% in the previous quarter. This has been The Principle, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principle at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.